this is what really helps. Bike plus RV plus dog equals 50 states. Episode 9. Disaster averted. You're listening to What Really Helps. Bike plus RV plus dog equals 50 states. How a veteran wife and husband team thrived against the odds to make a difference. Now your host, Deb Lewis. Aloha all and welcome to episode 9. This episode is disaster averted. Now let's hear from the 50 state cyclist himself, my husband, Doug Adams. Thanks, darling. This week, we leave the Atlantic Ocean on our left-hand side, and our route makes the turn at Orlando, smack dab in the middle of Florida, heading back north for the first time during the tour. It took us from the east to the west of Florida part of the tour. I cycled from Georgia through eastern Florida where we caught up with Deborah's senior civilian leader, David, during command in Iraq. Then I traveled to Orlando, the Disney Mecca of Florida, among other things, where we met up with several classmates and instructors when Deb was at West Point, who were attending a convention center event, Orange County Convention Center. Perhaps the most important stop of our entire tour was the Lazy Days RV shops just outside of Tampa, where Simba received tender loving care, meaning essential RV repairs. This week was also special because Deborah and I spent time with Deb's parents at IRCC, a military retirement community where we celebrated her mom's birthday. We also visited a Coast Guard base this week, which was, I think, the only Coast Guard base that we actually visited during the entire tour. On day 58, when Deborah traveled to pick me up, I had a big surprise for her. But we'll get to that in the podcast. As always, cycling stats for the week for those interested are 331.9 miles cycled and 4,341 feet climbed. Let's get into this, darling. Well, let's get started, shall we? I'm starting the week off down at my parents, and you are by your lonesome. I have just spent my second night alone um, in Kingsland, Georgia, having gone to the submarine base that we finished up with last podcast, and I am traveling from southern, southeastern Georgia into northeastern Florida. So I go to the Mayport Naval Stations, which is a very large naval station there. I end up taking a ferry across um, to the Naval Station and then ride into northeast Florida, just outside of Jacksonville, and eventually end up in Ponte Verde Beach, Florida. And what's at Ponte Verde Beach, you ask? Who's at Ponte Verde Beach is probably the better question. Who would it be? It would be your deputy, David, from Iraq. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) He was in Jacksonville. That's all I remember. He was was just outside of Jacksonville. We have friends that are there now, as a matter of fact, classmates that live in there. We've been up there since. And um, his home was a very nice home, not very far from the beach. 
and it gave me an opportunity to travel through um, the Mayport Naval Station from where I got off from the uh, ferry coming across to it and then through it and then once I got uh, to the other side the southern um, where you enter into the Naval Station from the south uh, then I was able to uh, take a little bit of a, a jog through what, what you could probably consider to be eastern Jacksonville, uh, the suburbs there on the, on the um, eastern side of that large city, then down to Ponte Verde Beach. Well, and at that time in the morning, I'm taking Emily to the airport. We're, we're finishing up our nice weekend visit together, and she's getting to be with her grandparents my parents, and so I took her to the airport, and then from everything we can see is uh, she said goodbye to Grandma Alvin and Granddad and flew off, and then I went to go link up with you. I had to take them back to the to home, but then uh, linked up with you. I remember a specific event on the ferry, as it turns out, that um, on my, on my sh- shoes that I would wear when I was cycling, they have the clips on the bottom and you clip into the bike, right? So you're all one entity. Well, when I would come off, I had these nice little rubber gasket kind of things that I would put on so that if I was walking around, I wasn't destroying whatever I was walking on or I wasn't letting the asphalt or the cement destroy my clips, right? Because they're fairly, um, you don't want to do that. Well, and I had, that was fine and they were working and on the ferry, I lost one. (laughs) So, (laughs) always something. On this, there was always something. Fortunately, um, I was able to, uh, I realized that and I had to be careful. And I think it wasn't that long, um, you know, a few days down the road, I was able to. After we went back to the RV, I guess. Yeah, that or I think when we were in Orlando or the bike work store that that we end up going to. So in my um, audio blog for the day, I talk a lot about David because David was someone very special in Iraq. He was my top civilian. I think he's one of the brightest people I have ever had the pleasure to work with, not just because he was so smart, but because he was so kind and, and he could break it down to any, anybody what he was working on. And what I was most envious of is his ability to do first copy final draft of anything and it would sound gorgeous. And I, he'd say, oh, I got about 10 minutes. I'll, you know, I'll be right with you. He would crank out a report, and I'm like, I'm reading it. It's like, oh, my gosh. It would have taken me hours. But really enjoyed working with him, and we visited several times now that he's in Jacksonville area, and just a delightful person. You just wish you could have someone like that working with you. And this was another opportunity for us to connect with folks that we had either served with or had worked directly with or had been in school with. Um, you know, uh, at whatever age. And so another terrific opportunity because it had been it had been a few days, as it turned out, almost an entire week since we'd had that opportunity. Yep. And then the next day was exciting. So the next day I took off from, I think there's a picture in the, the um, video that you put together. Photo highlights. The yep. photo highlights that you put together mm-hmm. um, of me at a Dunkin' Donuts in mm, Jacksonville. Yum. There weren't a whole lot of those necessarily um, in the southeast, but we got to Florida and all of a sudden they popped up again. Yay. And so, <laughs> and so I think we stopped there. Um, and then I took off from Ponte Verde Beach towards uh, De Leon Springs, and I believe it was in 
on the way to De Leon Springs that I passed the 2,500 mile mark. And I remember knowing where that was because I was I realized I was getting close, and so I I stopped and took a photo, a selfie of myself. That was before selfies were known as selfies. And um, I had <laughs> you this, were very happy in that picture. I was very happy in that picture. I made myself very happy, and I also had. I also had the little flag behind me and the whole nine yards. It was it was really terrific to be able to do that. And I was very close. I was on, I'm um, pretty sure, US-1, which goes um, up and down alongside um, uh, 95, I-95, along the East Coast. And I was just coming to where uh, US-1 actually crosses underneath um, I-95. So I remember yep, that. Got a photo of those uh, highway markers. That's right. And then when I got to the other side, there was this nice little place. And I'm pretty sure I remember stopping there and grabbing some like icy or ice cream or something like that to celebrate. That's what <laughs> I did. I celebrated. Uh, and so then um, I went all the way to this. De Leon Springs is not exactly where we were at in terms of like stopping. Um, it was the closest urban urban area, place of population I could find to where I actually stopped, which was actually an intersection. Uh, and my memory is that um, your dad came and picked me up. Now, it could have been the both of you actually did that. Uh, but I remember that we went back together down to Melbourne, which where which is where the RV was. So you that mm-hmm. the previous morning you'd uh, taken Emily... Um, after a very nice few days to um, have a visit, right, to have a visit. You'd taken her back to the airport so she could go back and finish up um, the semester at Tulane in New Orleans. And then on this day, you guys picked me up and... We celebrated Mom's birthday. We had to go figure out how to go. and We did. Uh, we had we the club. We found a nice place, and there's a nice picture of a ice cream sundae that they gnashed on for, they did it was very nice it was it was fun it, it was, was fun good. to do that and that was actually the last day of the tour well the following day when we left i guess um that you actually got a chance to see your parents during the year i think right I'm pretty sure I'm pretty yep. sure that's right yeah i didn't get to see them for the rest of the year yep and then we traveled then we had to travel back the next day dropped you back off at that intersection mm-hmm. where i promptly forgot to turn on my my um Garmin computer for about seven miles. I'm just having a grand time. It was a lovely day. I remember kind of flowing through it. There wasn't a whole lot of stuff. I knew from what I could remember that that the the route was going to take me along this kind of, there were these little um, lakes and meadows and all that because here we are in the middle and that and that is what you have in the middle of the, um, in the middle of the peninsula. And and I'm, I'm rolling along pretty well. And all of a sudden I go, huh, I had forgotten to turn it on again. So <laughs> at least I knew how far so I So we need had. to add seven miles to your uh, and stats? I, well, I did already. It's included in the stats. <laughs> I already okay. knew what that was. So fortunately, I knew how far that was and how long I had gone. So, so you were headed to the Orange County Convention Center. In the meantime, after I came back, I had to go take and, and uh, get the RV ready. So there's a couple cute pictures of my parents helping me with the signals on the RV. You know, she all the checklists. Simba had been there for a little, little couple days, yeah, and exactly. um, now we had to get Simba ready and ready to go. And we were heading to the convention center. Nice. And when I got there, I. 
can't remember if you were there already or not. And when I got there, um, we were able to connect um, with each other. And then we went and visited a classmate, uh, Matt um, Tavrides, and his family. And yeah, yeah. Uh, bless his heart, he's uh, he's since passed. Um, but we had a lovely time. Oh, they were so great to us. And then they, they brought. Um, they brought, I think, other classmates over, but particularly friends that they had um, from the area because um, they had lived in the area for quite some time, and he was a lawyer in the area and, and pretty well known. And so the whole thing was, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, we're just going to pop in kind of idea. And neither of us had really gotten to know Matt all that much at school but he was so excited to hear what we were doing. He was like, if you're coming in, I want you to stay with us. And so somehow we put that together. And of course, we were like, sure, that sounds great. And yeah. then as it became more apparent that we were going to be there a couple of days, that became an opportunity for, for them to actually put us up for a couple of days very close to the convention center and close to Tampa, which is where we were going to end up with the RV at. And then and he's it, responsible for getting me addicted to Glee. <laughs> because his kids, they're like, you've never seen Glee? I think it was in the first season, if it I'm was not the mistaken. Yeah, it, it was early. It was early. early. It was. And we loved to watch it turned Glee. turned out we did. It Just was like, loved Glee. I couldn't believe that I would actually enjoy watching high school students doing melodrama, singing musicals. <laughs> and it turned out. But his uh, girls, they, were, they loved yeah. to watch it. The whole family sat down and we joined them. Yep, so thank yep. you, Matt. Exactly. A lot of fun. And then the, his mom's place uh, nearby was really a nice place. Yeah, she was so sweet. Yeah, Put it was a, a lovely place. Very lovely place. And then the next day, so the next day is uh, December. which was Wednesday, December 1st. So we're in the December. We started October. We've done November. We said we would come all the way down the East Coast. And guess what? We're all the way down the East Coast in the month of November. Mm. So far, so good. And this day, you're not cycling. One of the rare days you didn't cycle. That's right. And we spent the whole day at the Orange County Convention Center, where you'll see on the highlights video, there's some pictures of us with the with classmates and people that I worked with when I was an instructor at West Point, which was interesting. We sat through a couple of the lectures and things that they were doing, and and but it was really cool to have the RV out front of Orange County Convention Center. We had to move mountains to make that happen. I don't know how they, you did it, to but be it was. I think it was Mike Janetti. <laughs> I think you're right. I, I think, think that's Mike what you Gennetti, had said. Exactly. I think Mike Gennetti made it happen, but, you know, move mountains to make have it. And well, so that's why a, we have some really cool pictures. They were having a veterans. Um, it was a it veterans event. It, well. Had a lot of veterans there. It had a lot of veterans there. I'm not sure that they were the welcoming whole convention veterans. was. And then they had some welcoming veterans that they were doing. It was, right. As I recall, it was technology and other things that they yeah. were up to. Yeah. Which, which, which was, was interesting. Right up the operations research part of what our department in, at West Point. I didn't do that. I did the engineering management side. And uh, But they had operations research. And we had some really smart folks. I mean, George Stone was there. And yeah, so it was good. That was really great. And so then I also had the opportunity to go pick up a couple things that I knew that I was going to need at the bike works that was there. And I'm pretty sure that I took the bike there as well. It had been a while. It may have been the entire trip down. I, no, no, no. When we were in D.C., I also got it looked at in D.C., but it had been since D.C. So every once in a while, yes, I'm responsible as the bike owner for maintaining my own bike. I get that. But I cheated sometimes. I took it to get a tune-up every once in a while just because 
because it was the only thing I had. It was the only one I had that, and it needed to keep rolling as long as I was keeping rolling, which we'll get into shortly. And so, but I think I also took it to the bike works. They did a, war, a, a nice job on, on uh, turning it around essentially in a day. And then that evening, we were able to connect again with Matt's family and did stuff that families do. Like it was... Just kind of hung out. It was December and we went to great. a volleyball game. We watched that. And then and then they took us to like their favorite Italian? I think so. I think it was Italian restaurant. Pretty sure. And um, and so it was delicious. It was really good. I was happy I wasn't riding the next day. Yes. So yeah, these are two days in a row that Doug didn't cycle. Well, we, um, um, Thursday would be the next day. So I had cycled Thursday. Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and yeah. Wednesday I hadn't cycled. And then Thursday, I wasn't cycling as well. Part of that was because we were heading over to... We had to take the RV and drop it at um, Lazy Days. Right. So I wasn't initially going to take two days off here. It would have been the first time, frankly, since um, we had done the the week that I had taken two days off, I think. And... But we needed to get the RV fixed and looked at and all that kind of stuff. Well, we had, um, I think I alluded to that in many of the depressing um, podcasts and things that I've talked about before, where I had all kinds of issues from the time, I think it was really the second day of the tour, where I didn't have water to rinse everything out. Um, when we were up at Tupper Lake, and the entire time I was battling, I I'd done I lo- love to do workarounds, and this was no exception. I mean, everything from having trash bags and other stuff, because I got dumped on personally enough times to know or make a mess well, that we I was were like in Rhode Island. Yeah. I think that other oh, time, right? It was, yeah, I think it was, it was after Rhode Island before so, we even finished that two weeks in New England. You were like but Gary Bunser. Bless his heart. He's such an angel. I had him on speed dial from those days when I talked about where we are. The RV doctor. He's the RV doctor. And I I was at the safety course for new RVers. And he was there. And then he connected me because I had, every time I tell him this is happening, this is happening, he goes, that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. Let me talk to my friends. (laughs) And he talked to Doug Schwartz from Drain Master and Polyshoot Frame. Polyshoot was the... um, the tubing where you drain your your black water and gray water through, and it has kind of things to make it so it works much better than, especially on the connectors and things. And they were willing to donate the whole system to us, given what we were doing for the tour. And then we got they got Lazy Days. The only one that Gary trusted to install it properly was Lazy Days. So that's why we ended up finding out, well, where is Lazy Days? And thank goodness we did, because then as soon as they looked at it, they asked me, they said, I, I asked them first, please check it over as if it, you were driving this RV. <laughs> so they said, do you want us to look at warranty items? And I said, absolutely. And thank goodness we did that because one of them had to do with the brake calipers, which meant they had to remove the tires, which is one of the hardest things to do with an RV. You really need the proper equipment. I mean, that rig is 20,000 pounds. You you have to be able to take it apart. So let me set the the context, the stage for this real quick. So we're telling you all of this occurred on Thursday, December 2nd. Not quite all of it. This was actually a a, um, three-day process, right, Mm -hmm. from the second through the fourth, essentially, which was flying for the maintenance folks there. I mean, asking them to do stuff. But for us, 
This was really kind of the first time we were, had to adjust a little bit with, so we have this schedule and we're figuring out how do we manage our schedule that we have planned and at the same time, you know, get our living quarters fixed on wheels, our living quarters on wheels fixed, right? And so we, we ended up actually um, doing that over the course of the next three days. Yeah, but we stayed overnight really in their RV park, which was fascinating. And I talk about in the in the um, clips, the audio clips from that time period, how amazing that facility was. Just think of hundreds of RV bays, and, and they really tried to bend over backwards to help you stay with your RV, if at all possible. And that first day when we went and we hung out, that was when the the maintenance guy as he was checking the brake calipers asked me to come over i remember that he asked me to come over and said i want you to take a look at something and what he showed me was the first picture that i show in the video highlights is the one of the plates of two big plates that are on your leaf spring that keeps the rv off the axle this is on friday yeah. this is the stuff on friday when i yeah. si started cycling again yeah Right. Yeah. So, so they, yeah, we drove there the first day and put it in. Which was Thursday and the then second. The second day, they showed Spent me that night. They showed me that, and then and then um, and so they said this is this is essential based on you and they had that thing scheduled for the next day to be able to arrive to, to repair it. And it I was. think it had to come out of Chicago or somewhere. Yes, it came and this out of the is Midwest. not a small piece of Well, equipment. and they were having weather issues too. It was pretty And they amazing. were having, having it. But they, um, but they said that they were going to take care of it and, and have that replaced. That was, thank goodness, that was um, under warranty. And then, and only because he was working on the brake calipers did he get a good peek at it, and he was paying attention. So this is phase one mm -hmm. of disaster averted. Yes, phase phase one A. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna get two, we'll, we'll and then get we'll two. get one B later. Okay, got okay, it. Okay, so so this anyway, but I, let's just finish. Uh, let's just do that a little bit because really, I don't know that we can express how grateful we are to the Lazy Days folks. First of all, there was no plan for us to go to Tampa. So in going to Tampa, it gave us an opportunity actually to go see the Coast Guard unit that was there. And that was very interesting. Uh, my son um, at the time had been um, out of the Coast Guard. He had done his three years active and three years reserve. Um, and I had learned some things during his actual um, uh, service with them and his deployment for Iraqi freedom with one of their their ships and, and the work that he had done with icebreakers and uh, fast um, fast boat um, hunts in the Caribbean and all that kind of stuff. And I've just, it was um, really fascinating to see what they were doing and what their work was, what they were responsible for there. And they treated us just really lovely. It was really terrific to meet them. And then at the same time, um, as we're getting ready to do that, Lazy Day is doing their inspection and their assessment, and I don't know that we got back in time that day for us to understand everything that they were going to do, because the next day is, so we spent that night, and we were able to do that, we were able to spend the night in the bay, right, they don't necessarily let people do that, well, I guess they do let people do that, um, but you have to follow certain rules, and so that was great, I don't think we were able to extend the uh, slide out, but... 
We were able to stay there, which saved us some money, which was very kind of them. And then the next day, which was Friday, December 3rd, I started cycling again, and I left from the convention center, which is where in Orange County, so we had to drive me there, and I had to take off from there and head towards Summerfield, Florida, which was going to be um, about 60 miles or so from where I was starting. And Endeavor was then heading back to the um, back to Lazy Days, and the ex expectation was is that they would get everything done and then she would meet me up near Summerfield. We'd figure out where we were going to stay. We, I think we had identified the Holiday Inn Express that was nearby. Um, but um, in any event, that was a backup. If she came with the RV, then we would have figured out where we were going to go. But she sent me, she gave me a call at some point, which I didn't actually get until very late in the day that said she wasn't going to be able to come because there was some stuff that she needed to tell me. So I was like, okay. So we had a plan. We knew what the plan was. If it had to stay an additional day, we knew what we were going to do. And so that worked out amazingly. The thing that was a surprise was all of the stuff that they had to do. I mean, I only got to see the pictures. Deborah got to see it firsthand because they took her and showed her with the big RV up on the hydraulics what actually the um, spring axle and the connection leaf spring, yeah. the leaf spring and what the connection to the axle that was. That wasn't then. That was later. Oh That's my god, that was later too. That was later. Yeah, the only thing that I, they showed me up front was the fact that the plate was cracked. Oh, and they needed to get that. And they needed. They knew that based on that shouldn't happen with that. RV. So you and hadn't seen the other so thing. So I hadn't see, I didn't see the other piece yet. Until, so you just gave away one well, day. Well, except that was still all that day, right? Was <laughs> no. that still all that no. day? No. Well, then how did they have it? No, because what happened is, um, sorry, this is one of the rare times I will say no. And um, <laughs> in, in, just to clarify how this unfolded, it, 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 it was... You'll understand why I'm confused later. It was an amazing... Uh, the work that it was Mike Finelli was the gentleman who was very sharp and found that there were others who helped us like George Ratty did the drain master. I mean, we had a whole team of people working on the RV, but the thing was, is that they, they identified that and they identified that we needed the seal for our slide out our 28 foot slide out. We needed that. There were a bunch of things. And just based on the plate being a hundred percent cracked, the second plate was enough for them to get the leaf spring ordered. And so that's what they did. They ordered it. And so they were going to take care of the rest of the items, which were considerable as they were checking out the entire system, all the systems of the RV, um, everything mechanical, electrical, everything. They it's were, really they astounding were that doing we... a one once over, you know, checking everything for us. And they did find several things, but not not as big as like the slide out we uh, had driven thing. we had driven a little bit in the northwest then we had driven across the country we had driven back and forth yep. a couple times between dc and new york including all the way to upstate new york we had already done yep. 2500 miles minimum because i had done 2500 miles so deborah had done at least that probably more with the rv um, all the way down into driving Tampa. in at a good clip too, and towing a car and doing things on the highway, switching lanes and hitting bumps and doing things. So you'll understand how important that is when I talk about what happened the next day when they actually showed me the uh, entire 
uh, leaf spring. But that night, I, I just said, oh, okay, got to go. I'm going to go pick up Doug. But it was getting quite late. It you, was getting you had, late. I had you'd, found a subway, and I was just waiting at the subway. Yeah, you were that's, waiting that's for what me. I had. That's what I was doing. I, was, I had gotten there at a reasonable time, about 3.30 or so. 3.24 is what my computer said. So around 3.30. And, of course, we're talking December. So I had a, about an hour and a half or so before um, twilight. Sunset was around 5. 35:15 something like that. And and so she shows up about 4 4:30 something like that. Um and I had a surprise for her. So, the surprise for her happened this way. So I take off from um Orange County Convention Center. I've been very fortunate so far. Roads have been pretty good. I've been able to um, avoid, for the most part, um, hellacious traffic. You know, the large cities were different, and but you're always paying attention to that. And I come out of Orlando, not a problem, and I get onto the um, some roads that are under construction. I know, and you know where I'm going with this. Those of you who have um, ridden your site, your bicycle in, around construction, it is not fun. And then on top of that, this is like a, a, a six-lane road through a metropolitan area. So it's not a highway. Um, you can turn off into, uh, and folks were doing it, they would turn off at a pretty good clip right off into driveways that were heading into little plaza areas and all that kind of stuff. And the construction was going on throughout this entire road. So we're talking miles and miles of this construction going on. And I was like not excited about this, but it wasn't. The, it wasn't. I had done 2,500 miles at the, up to this point. I had done some riding around Puget Sound. It wasn't hellaciously terrible. I, I didn't think. Well, it got hellaciously terrible, and the the drivers were not helpful. Let me just say, they just weren't helpful. And they're flying by. They're not really worried about how close they are to me. I guess they figured that I was the one that had to worry about them. And at some point, I decided I've had enough of this being on the road um, without a whole lot of um, shoulder, virtually no shoulder, because we're in a this street. It's really a street, but people are doing 45, 50, 55 miles an hour, you know, between the lights kind of idea. So then I decide I've been moving and I'm at a pretty good clip and I decide you know what I just need to pop up onto the sidewalk this was it was just not a happy happy thing for me and so I do that I can remember it today like it happened you know yesterday so I I make a move onto a driveway and I can remember that there were some. There was a couple that was on a sidewalk, but they were a little bit down. They had not come into the area, so I was going to be able to make the the uh, the flip into the driveway and into this little area. It wasn't going to be that much of an issue. I wasn't going to be hitting them or anything like that. And as I made the turn uh, up onto the driveway, what I didn't realize is that the construction had not connected the road to the bottom part of the of the uh, driveway so that there was at least an inch to two inches, probably more like two inches difference between the um, cement um, that was the bottom of the uh, driveway and the asphalt that was the road, which meant that as I leaned to go up, both tires didn't make it, meaning that the tires themselves, I started to flip and the tires went 
flying up. And so if I can describe, I'm heading, I'm leaning over to my right, and the tires have been taken out just like somebody had kicked them out from underneath me, and they're heading to the left. And it wasn't too much, it didn't take very long before I'm on my back, and the bike is with the tires up where my head should be. Right, so my head's where the tires, the wheels should be, and the wheels are where my head should be. Meaning, I've landed, and but I was very good. The bike did not get injured much, really. I, I didn't get injured hardly at all. I think the place where it got injured was where I was holding onto the handlebars so tight, so that it wouldn't fly away, kind of idea. So I, so I, I actually moved the the. Uh, um, I had to do a little bit of adjustment before I was able to take off again. I hit my head. This is why we paid $200 for a helmet. It did its job. and Cracked. It cracked it. That's right. And I hit my shoulder. And um, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't find out about it until I actually saw my wife. Um, I actually had cut right underneath my eye. My right eye. No, no, my left eye. Cut right underneath my left eye with my sunglasses sliced it Sli bleeding sliced it and um well, i don't when you saw me i don't think it was bleeding at that point but um i didn't rec i didn't realize that that was it i was so upset i was just upset i was upset that i had i was humiliated that the couple came up to me and they were very gracious i remember this to this day because i was such a jerk um, they came up and they asked, am I okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. And I probably said it not very kindly. And then they kept on going because I was a jerk. And, um, and then I found a place to sit down. I checked the bike. The bike seemed to be okay. I sat down, made sure I was okay. Took a few minutes just to kind of settle down because my adrenaline was flying, obviously. And, um, and then I proceeded to get angry at all the people that were driving on the road. <laughs> Um, I then checked the bike. There wasn't the, the, the uh, tires were not blown. I didn't have to change those. I did need to um, wiggle the handlebars back into place a little bit. And I think I probably had. Um, well, no, I think I had already in a previous um, exchange between the bike and asphalt um, had uh, one of my little um, gear shift things had uh, at the hand. The hand shifter had. Your thumb was sprained. My your, thumb? Oh, was it? I didn't remember that. Oh, exactly. yes. Your so this was, was sprained. You had, you had your um, jacket was ripped. Jacket was ripped. We still have that jacket, I do believe. No, I inherited well, that. That was the best part of it. I inherited that jacket. You did. And then you sewed it. You, you, yeah, I had it sewed. You did. Um, patched. Patched up, actually. And then um, I figured out later that I was about 25 miles into the ride. Right? I still had another 35 miles. I really couldn't call my wife because she was taking care of the RV, as it turned out. So um, after a couple of minutes, I decided, well, things aren't going to necessarily get any worse um, or any better. So I just need to get on the bike and go. So I got back on the bike. I think I stayed on the sidewalk for a little while um, and then found a place where I could hop back onto the road where I wasn't quite as nuts uh, and proceeded on for another 35, 38 miles, um, where I ended up finishing up near the subway. And I didn't kill myself to get there, but I also, you know, things began to clean out, and um, I was able to stop and eat my lunch, my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, 
and it was um, it was fine by the time I finished up and then having a place to kind of sit down and all that worked out but this was the this was the um, anxious moment as a cyclist I I mean, I really took care of the, the, the helmet. I mean, I was very grateful for the helmet because I certainly did hit my head. and But I didn't have a concussion. I didn't have anything like that. Well, it, that's because when I arrived... <laughs> how and do I, we know I didn't have a concussion? How do we know you didn't have a concussion? <laughs> so week? my wife comes in and... Um, she doesn't necessarily see me right away. She's just happy that I'm there. And, and, and she had all in. the issues and with the RV. She had all the stuff that she needed to talk to me about, which she proceeded to do for the most part. Um, and, and then, then I took a good look. And she took a look at me and she's like, <gasps> <laughs> what did you do? I said, I just had a little tumble. That's all. His um, eyes almost sealed. That's right. So, By so then she learns. His so thumb she learns is like what, really achy. Yeah, that, uh, that was true. And that's really what his I His helmet is to, broken. I really wanted to go see somebody about my thumb, right? But there wasn't anything they could do. So they, we did do that. We saw somebody about the thumb, but that was not the only thing. It turned out that my wife is quite a stubborn character when it comes to caring about people like her husband. And so, and we've seen the same stubbornness about her dad, as it turned out. So we um, went to urgent care. We did. We went to urgent care and I'm worried about my thumb and my wife is worried about my head, which I knew was solid rock, so it didn't matter. And, um, and so they managed to do both take an x-ray of the thumb um, and then also... Uh, Make sure you didn't have a concussion. They did something like that. They checked that. At least stuff we out. had a baseline. <laughs> exactly right. Then we had a ba- <laughs> then we had a baseline for future problems. <laughs> um, and so you know, the next day we we they spent gave the night some, at the Holiday Inn Express. They gave, us a, they gave me some gop or glop or something like that. Something, yeah. They didn't even put, put on. stitches on the low. They I, said I, it's better not to do it, and I think that was good advice. That was good advice, right? Because actually, you were before surprised they, they didn't yeah do before that, right? they would normally stitch it up make sure that it's but it was it. very close to my eye yeah it was and so i was happy that they didn't do that they just put some stuff on it I, they didn't even butterfly it stitch or anything like that they just let yeah. it be um and so that was that was exciting then and i took you back to uh to your where you stopped at summer on field. saturday that's right yep. and then you headed off to chiefland florida chiefland florida and i went back to go get simba you did and that's when i found out after mike had taken the entire leaf spring off just how close to a huge disaster we had. And the pictures show the story. When he took off, it wasn't just the slice in the plate, which was bad, but the metal was was faulty. Um, why it was under warranty? Because the metal was fatigued and it basically fell off the right connector. When they when he took it off, the, it just fell into pieces. The leaf spring itself. The leaf spring uh, connection, and it was it was a disaster waiting to happen because RVs do not handle accidents well. And I have a picture from one of the other um, just last week. As yeah, last fact. week's uh, journey was the one where you see a picture of what happens. An RV just crumbles like a deck of cards because there's. Stewart really no Florida. no yeah. um, stability there and so if it's going to land on the axle especially if you're going about 55 65 miles so i always say that lazy days saved my life and having the black water and gray water was actually had problems that i had was actually good for me someone some angel was out there that's exactly looking right. out for me but right. i sure didn't like that brown stuff all over me <laughs> no yeah i know you didn't but, but, it, but it would it, not have gotten us to lazy days and as a and, result of going to lazy days 
that's yep. all and these Gary things Gary and out. Doug Schwartz. I mean, all of them we played were, a role in it. So. We were learning. We were learning. I think we had little guardian angels walking, watching out for all of us. I mean, so, there were so many so many things that happened during this. that and, 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 and that wasn't the first, but it certainly was one of the biggest ones. And the best part was I now had an electrical system to handle all my black water and gray water as opposed to um, levers that didn't always work. Right. Exactly. So on Saturday, I take off and I head towards Chiefland. And so Deborah is getting all the rest of the stuff. We weren't sure that she was actually going to be able to get the RV finished even that day. And um, I remember finishing up. It was a nice day, uh, if I remember right. Pretty nice day. I did about um, 67 miles, so close to 70 miles to get to Chiefland. And I remember setting up. It was a um, it was a Saturday, so there were things going on. I remember setting up as I waited for Deborah to get there in a McDonald's, and I I sat at, at a little McDonald's, and it was overlooking a, a, the the street that was going through town, and I didn't have my coat with me, and I proceeded to get a little chilled as it turned out, and I took pictures that did not turn out unfortunately, but they had a nice little parade in the evening. Um, and uh, with horses. Yeah, I and tried to put them bit. in there. But yeah, no, it wasn't necess- that great. Yeah, they weren't that great necessarily, but the parade itself was very cute. And then Deborah finally came in with the RV and we were able to set up in a nice little RV. They had a nice little setup there, as it turned out. So we were able to set up there in town with the RV. And, um, and so that was kind of how we finished up. What I didn't necessarily know was that I had caught a cold as I was waiting. So it was just one of those things. It was December. Here we are. It was December 4th. It was in Florida. And we would think it would be relatively warm, but the evening came around. And when the evening came around, it got a little chilly. And And you were in air conditioning, too. And I was in air conditioning at the McDonald's. And so one thing led to another. And I had been, you know, probably the stress of the vehicle and the stress associated with me falling down the day before and you had used up all your I might good have used stuff up my good stuff at that point so the next week when we talk about it i will be suffering for a portion of that week as it turns out yep. um, but, but we'll get to that next week so this is this was an really an interesting disaster averted week in a couple of different ways for for us and at the same time, we got a chance to see Deborah's parents before we left out of Florida. And we'll end with an extract of the commentary that we've talked about that Deborah recorded during this week. Yep. I give you play by play. Today is day 54, 29 November, 2010. Today's my mother's birthday, and um, I'm in the process of driving from Jacksonville Beach to go pick up Doug at the intersection of Highway 11 and Highway 40. It's an interesting route for the car to get there as opposed to Doug. Mine says like 90 miles I have to go to get there. We just spent a lovely evening with David Schmidt, who is dear friend who was my top civilian in Iraq um, for most of the time that I was there. He's just an amazing individual. I thought the world of him, he's one of those guys that are so smart. 
I mean, he's just a repository of information, but he's kind and he's talented and he essentially um, can walk anyone through some of the most intricate details, whether it be engineering or other areas. And he's just a phenomenal resource. He's also one who can do first draft final copy when he's writing up things, which I was always amazed at. And anyway, we had Doug, he took care of Doug for several hours yesterday while I was with my folks and taking Emily to the airport and doing things there. Um, so it worked out very nicely. And those two got along quite night quite well. David has a beautiful home that he's been working on. And I can tell you how it's just just a really pretty, pretty home near the very near the beach. Um, it's 17 blocks from the beach. That's how they do their numbering system. And it was just enjoyable. We haven't stayed too many nights in anyone's home. We left the RV at Melbourne with my parents because I left them yesterday and drove the 180 or so miles to get here to visit with David and to see Doug. And now we're going to finish up at that intersection and then go see my mom for her birthday. Stay overnight. And then we're heading toward Orlando. That's where Doug will be driving to. Or cycling to. Uh, today was day 54. 29 November. 29 November, your mother's birthday, 78th birthday. And I was thinking about that. There was a lot of things today, actually. Today was 2,500 miles. Today went over 2,500 miles, which was a milestone thought about that. I thought about the fact that this was the day that uh, we had been going south ever since we got to Augusta, Maine. We had, when we left Watertown and headed east, that's pretty much the direction that we took. And then we got to Augusta, Maine, and then we turned south. And we, for the most part, had been going south. We've done a few east-west type of things, but for the most part it was it was going south until today. Today we hit, we still will go down south, a little further south to Orlando, but we left the Atlantic Ocean on our left side today and turned inland. And uh, so that was really the turn west um, in St. Augustine. So it was Portland, Maine on, when we hit the Atlantic up in Maine, and uh, we hit at St. Augustine on day 54 today, we turned west, and we'll be heading west with a few norths and stuff uh, for the next couple of months all the way across, but I was thinking about that. This was really the culmination of the 1-7th Essentially, there's one seven. There's seven basic uh, segments of this uh, tour. The first segment was the East Coast, and then we've got five segments, starting with the uh, 
going down, going west across the south, and then we're going to do an east, a west, an east, and then a west, and then we'll go down the west coast. Seven segments. And then we've got obviously Alaska and Hawaii in there. And we've just finished segment one, essentially. You know, we'll be finishing it, I guess, when we hit Orlando tomorrow, too. Um, this, these two days are the culmination of segment one, uh, which kind of makes sense because it's a day 54. That's about one seventh of the uh, of the year. Uh, it's uh, mileage is around one seventh of what we've been talking about. Uh, so it's uh, it's like the first day of the week. Kind of got through the first day of the week. Kind of idea. About talking about the um, when you can talk about the di you know the different difficulty like you talked about it's flat here but right I was just about to actually do that but you were making sure that I do do that yeah, I can't get my legs well, I guess I'm not going to do that too bad okay um. This is uh, flat, which is nice uh, when you're not necessarily looking to do lots of hills. We'll have hills when we go back up, when we go to Atlanta in the next week. Um, we'll go back up to a thousand foot elevation, and so that'll be gradual hills uh, going into the center of Georgia, hitting the southern portions of the Appalachians probably. And then we'll come back down to the coast after that. But here, from South Carolina through Georgia, uh, the, the uh, later portions of South Carolina through Georgia into Florida has been very flat. Uh, less than 500 foot climbs in, you know, standard 55, 60 mile, 65 mile increments. So, really flat, and uh, but that has its own interesting elements with it, because even though with the hills, you still got to do the climbing, and there's all that, but you do get a little bit of a break, because you can have gravity helping you when you uh, get to the top, and you're going back down the other side, gravity help you a little bit with the uh, you have to work harder going up the hill. You do have to work hard going up the hill, but you also have to work hard on the flats because there are no brakes. You have no gravity's not helping you, and so everything that you get you have to earn. And then if you have the wind in your face at all, then you don't even have the opportunity really to coast because the wind will just shuts you down, particularly if it's a wind of any velocity at all, which here has been. So, today was a earning day because the wind was in the face the entire time, um, heading south or heading southwest or heading west. It was always in your face, always in my face, and uh, it seemed pretty... You're never quite sure how windy it is, except you could look to the side and you could see it was pretty windy today. So. I did, uh, I did almost 70 miles today, plus I had the wind 
going for me and, and it was flat which was good but that also meant that I was making that everything every 10 feet I got I, I earned been pretty fortunate with the ride over the first 54 days I guess 43 cycling days if I if my math is right and first day of course 90 miles and uh, had an opportunity to climb uh, out of Watertown and Fort Drum towards Lake Placid the ride was a nice ride and I had adrenaline going for me for the first portion of it and, and then of course we had the, the uh, rain and the wind and the hail and the temperature drop and all that kind of stuff over the last 10 miles, 10 to 15 miles of it. But um, then the next day it was, the next day was great. Uh, made it up to Lake Placid. Those first two days I had been concerned about, particularly getting into Lake Placid, but it worked out pretty well. And then, and then we did the remainder of the uh, heading east across that first, uh, I should have to take a look, six, seven days, I guess. Let's see, six, seven, maybe that's about right. And then uh, when we were Portland, I guess, on day nine, day eight, day nine, that, uh, that was the first real weather stop that we had when we had the nor'easter hit us. But we've been very fortunate with the weather. I can count on one hand the number of times that I've had rain that uh, I've had to deal with. I forgot that uh, I did have I thought, I was thinking about this, I had the rain from Hines, the rainy day a couple days ago when I was going from Fort Stewart to Nahunta, Georgia, uh, the day after Thanksgiving. I was thinking that was the first day I really had all rain, but I forgot about the, the day I had when I traveled from Fort Indian Town Gap to Carlisle, Carlisle Barracks, Pennsylvania, and uh, I, I rode in rain that that entire day too. Um, it was a little less, it was more like 40 miles, but as opposed to 55 miles or whatever it was that I did a couple days ago, but still that was an all-day rain too. But with the exception of those two days, um, it's really been very, very nice. Uh, I've had some windy days, um, have had some rain in the uh, in brief stretches uh, when I was traveling from Norfolk to Newsom's, uh, there was a little bit of rain at the end, um, but that was that was uh, not the entire way. And and then with the nor'easter that came through, uh, just weren't able to ride at all that day until it had pretty much cleared out and did uh, some at the very end of the day. But, uh, even that, there was some rain associated with that. So, out of the 30, 43 cycling days or so, I have to be pretty happy with, you know, only two major rain days and a nor'easter day, and uh, everything else has been very decent. 
even temperature-wise, has been pretty good. Um, heck, expect in Florida that you're going to have 60s or 70s in, in winter, but heck, we've even had mid-70s and 80s here. So, And then going through the, the mid-Atlantic to the southeast has been terrific. Can't, can't complain about it. Really, one, one iota. The other thing I guess I would talk about, and I've been thinking about this, is the differences in the road that I'm traveling. Um, I've been pretty happy with Florida. Uh, they give you pretty nice roads, by and large, and uh, pretty good in terms of shoulder accessibility. Uh, that was not the case in the... Um, Southeast, and probably starting, actually probably starting in in uh, Virginia. I was surprised to see from the uh, northern Virginia along Route One uh, through most of uh, US One, US Seventeen, and um, and then from. Norfolk into North Carolina, very little shoulders, uh, just not a lot of shoulder capability. Uh, so you're pretty much riding on the road uh, and relying on the vehicles to give you some space, which 99.9% of the time they did. So I have to say, I'm pretty happy to see. But it'd be nice to have the shoulder and have been able to have that. Again, in Florida, nice shoulders so far. Got to be really happy with that. Um, makes it less harrowing. Uh, more able to focus on the, how you're doing the biking and not necessarily, uh, you know, living with your eyes on the rear view mirror all the time. So, pretty happy with that. The uh, this, the road smoothness has been good in Florida as well, uh, particularly after comparing it with Georgia and South Carolina, uh, which had some rough sides. Uh, Georgia had some good shoulders on some of its roads, but the problem was is that the shoulders were all filled up with the little grates that they, not grates, but uh, the little uh, rumble strips they weren't upright on the top but they were cut into it so cut in rumble strips and uh, they did it all the way through today is day 59 for December 2010 and um, it's been quite the past few days because on this is a Saturday we came to Orlando on, well actually got there Tuesday night to the Orlando area and then we attended the conference for Wednesday and then we um, brought the RV on the Thursday down to Lazy Days. So today, Wednesday, it's now Saturday and I just am getting the RV out of uh, Lazy Days for all the work that they were doing for us. And um, 
very, very critical, critical work that they were doing for us. Just amazing what they We went in to have the drain master um, system put in so that it's a series of valves as opposed to uh, simply um, pulling on pulling on the valves, which perhaps stuff got stuck in them, who knows what the heck, but they wouldn't close all the way, so they were always leaking to an extent, and, um, and that was really inconvenient for me. But they went ahead and replaced the drain master valves, plus they did a whole host of other things that can happen when you're really working out an RV. Uh, the biggest unexpected uh, expense, which was about $800, $900, was we have a single slide and it has a seal that goes all around the slide and the seal was cracked, which means that um, it's the most important feature of this particular RV because that expands out and that's our living space. So if it's leaking, that's a really bad thing and that's what can happen with RVs. So you have to have the maintenance done and because it's under an awning, you won't necessarily be able to easily check it, um, whether it was leaking or not. And so that's what they did and it needed to be replaced. And then some of the other things, um, lighting that was burning the fixture, that whole thing had to be replaced. Um, and we were burning bulbs pretty quickly, which shouldn't have happened that much. Um, they want a couple, another good thing for me was the driver's window. They looped that so that that sucker wouldn't stick as badly as it had been doing for me, breaking my fingernails, and doing all sorts of things, just trying to get it open when I had to pay tolls or do something like that. So very happy with that. And then in the undercarriage, there's this thing called the leaf spring, and they found that ours was defective and it was under warranty, and so they replaced that along with the other warranty item, which was the brake calipers. And another warranty item that I didn't know about, which had to do with uh, the gas um, gas tank. There's a portion of it that had some rubber there. I guess that was purchased, which was inferior and causing leaks there. So that was pretty serious. Not a, I guess, high cost, but manufacturers replaced them all. And that was not at a cost to us for all those items, which we're thrilled about. All the rest, we needed new windshield wiper blades, wanted to get a new set of those. Um, they seem to be dried out, not working properly. And uh, other safety things, it's always important to check out your safety features and make sure that those things are working properly. So we're very pleased with all the things that they happen and we're very lucky that uh, we could do this. I'm having to drive 150 miles to catch up to Doug today. I drove up in the car uh, yesterday about 80, 90 miles, and um, and so I, I came back and got the RV. We stayed at a Holiday Inn Express, which Doug is a, whatever the elite member is. <laughs> it's a good backup plan, extra out-of-pocket expenses uh, that were unanticipated. Although you kind of plan for that to happen, you still, it's not something that you're hoping that you have to do. There's a big difference between you know, $115 and $15 a night, per se, um, or no cost for lodging uh, using the RV itself. So, um, that's a lot about what we did as far as logistically. 
But what that doesn't talk about is um, on Thursday after we dropped the RV off, um, we were able to stop at the Clearwater U.S. Coast Guard facility, which was very important for us to go do. And um, that was exciting because that follows up with the story of when we met Margaret Payne, who was driving by with her daughter Shannon, and uh, we saw them in Garnett, South Carolina. And they, um, after that meeting, which she had been visiting relatives of her husband's, uh, Steve Payne, uh, in Garnett area, and he had passed us, turns out, uh, on his way home, back to his duty station, and had looked at us, but he hadn't stopped, but then his wife was paying attention, and she stopped, and so we had a wonderful chat, shared some things, and so then we were lucky to be able to come to Steve's command and meet a number of just gracious hosts, um, just gracious hosts. And Don there is their volunteer for Duggetson, 22 years, I guess I don't know if I got that right, but uh, doing photography and other PAO type things for them. And um, so that was pretty cool. And we were able to see, um, you know, get another appreciation. Yes, I happen to know what the Coast Guard does on a daily basis. I've had the briefings, I've seen, you've seen the rescues. I mean, Katrina, one of the gentlemen that we talked to, their senior, senior master chief, I, forgive me for not knowing the correct title, but SCPO is how they go by senior chief petty officer. Um, he had been at Kachina because we were asking them what was their um, thing that they're most proud of. And the ability of the Coast Guard to cut through bureaucracy and, and be able to respond for life-saving, life-threatening situations is remarkable. It reminds me of the National Guard because National Guard used in a state role, it's really two people, it's the governor and the adjutant general. And when you're talking um, life and death, I think it's very important to allow people to have some kind of judgment. You need someone to be the integrator, but you need to have that ability to be responsive. And so they are and they have on a daily basis saved lives time and time and time again. I mean, that's what they do on a daily basis. And so it can wear on you. And one of the issues that, that had come up that I wasn't aware of, we, we knew pieces of it, for example, um, but didn't put it all together. And that's the fact that just like the rest of America is facing challenges because their mortgages, uh, people who own homes and, and they have houses because uh, they're living on the economy, um, if their mortgage is upside down, um, in those in the military and the Coast Guard, they don't have the luxury of being able to foreclose and to go in, you know, um, create uh, bankruptcy and stuff because that affects their security clearances. And so um, that's something that needs to, needs to be looked at, I think, uh, by a lot of people. I think on a one-to-one -one basis, I think the communities actually have the most ability to help uh, military members that are in that predicament because they have to move. I mean, the military, they have to move, and the Coast Guard, part of Homeland Security, but still in uniform, 
uh, on the vanguard for our country, protecting lives. We owe it to them to, to figure out, okay, if we're going to offer this to others, like the active duty, and we have the housing assistance program that was actually executed through the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which is something I had to take advantage of uh, one time uh, during a very difficult time in my life uh, when I was divorcing. And in uh, 96 in Hawaii, the housing market had crashed. So I've been through that. Our house depreciated probably 25% in the three years that we owned it. And then I went through a divorce, also uh, had to move to go to my next job. And so um, that was something when I was telling people how my net worth was ex essentially negative at that point. Um, I had a property in Virginia, but it was not, not more than what it had been worth uh, on purchase, so it too had been affected negatively, uh, had not gone up in value. Uh, and so uh, they told me, have you know about the housing assistance program? And that's something that some military members weren't aware of and were very grateful for Congress for offering that as a, as a relief to the military members who, who do have to move. So when asked about it by a friend of my parents, um, well, we need Congress to do something, I said, you know, it's not going to always be Congress that helps the military. Individual citizens and communities can be aware of the circumstances and see how they can do things in order to help those members uh, not lose their, their shirts and shorts by coming to those communities to live and then and then being required in order to continue to protect the country uh, to protect it. Does that mean less home ownership from the military? Certainly that does, but um, I think that we want to have these folks continue to serve and you never get reimbursed for the amount of money for every move that you, you take. Uh, nowhere near the, the price and the real costs of all the things that have to happen. Um, but you do get some perks in moving. But I think trying to close that gap somewhat and then pay it, pay it back in other ways. You know, the military member is a great resource for those communities. Um, so I hope that, that that is one example of something we're going to continue to provide information on to try to link the right kind of people. Awareness is the first step, and then you got to say, okay, where are the resources that will be able to assist here? And that's what we want to be able to, to uh, apply where it'll do the most good. And so, as we um, continue on our journey, I look forward to those stories. And so that happened on um, Thursday, and then Friday, Doug continued his journey and went to... Orlando, back to Orlando where he had uh, finished up on Wednesday and so he started and went up to Summerfield and we, we thought that the RV would be ready but they found these other things that needed to be replaced and so um, he rode his uh, bicycle up to Summerfield and then I was able to pick him up not as late as I am tonight. Tonight is really late. I was able to pick him up probably within half an hour, an hour of when he had finished for that point. So that gets to be a struggle and 
And, uh, there were some challenges he had, especially on that route. In fact, he said that the Orlando to um, Summerfield route was the worst drivers that he'd had to face. They, they were honking at him, not giving him room on the road. The roads didn't have the necessary shoulders for a large part of the way. Um, all those things add to increased risk, and he was trying to uh, manage that and had some issues um, there. So I'm learning something new every single day, um, and, and helpful hints, and plus safety things that wouldn't necessarily know about, but I could have done something about if I were only aware. And so raising awareness when we're inundated and bombarded by all this sensational stuff, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm sure they are well worthy, but my goodness, what plastered over all the headlines today is how Kate Middleton and um, Prince William are, are really going to get married. I just look at that and I just say, well, you know, I'm sure that's terrific. Sure would be nice to, to feature a person who had done the most, you know, their single act of kindness or whatever made a huge difference in the life of others. So I asked the question, how do we create a new normal? It's okay to have some of the sensational piece, but how do we create a new normal where we value, and by that valuing we pay attention to, those things that are going to make our world a better place, make our lives better, make those we love um, in a better position, and be those tools and those insights that could spell the difference of, if I hadn't known, for example, that um, Doug from Drainmaster had um, identified this place called Lazy Days, I might not be driving or I may not have been safely driving the rest of the route, um, at least as much as I could manage with the carriage of the vehicle. So I am deeply indebted for one individual putting me in touch with another organization who then took care of things that he had looked into and more. How about that? Exceeding expectations. Um, that's something that's infinitely doable in so many levels and so many ways. And I just think if that's something we care about, then how much time ought we be spending in our attention either on the internet or on the TV or on the newspaper, magazines. How do we inject that more? I think we can do better. What about you? Well, that's all for this episode nine, Disaster Averted of our podcast, What Really Helps? Bike plus RV plus dog equals 50 states. As always, we hope you learned something about helping others and about the thoughts, emotions, and challenges that we encountered on our journey. We'd love you to join us when we're back next week with episode 10 as we leave Florida, head north towards Atlanta, Georgia, and visit Fort Benning along the route. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also find us on Facebook at Duty Honor America Tour. Our website is www.dutyhonoramerica.com, which is where you can find our video montage of this week's photos. Thanks for listening. Aloha. Aloha.